morning, everyone. It is Monday, February the 8th. Contrary to what the note is on the bottom of the podcast page here on StreamYard, we'll get that changed. I am uh, anxious to talk to you today about Super Bowl, what, LV 55, Ohio State's game against Maryland tonight, uh, the courtship of Al Washington by Tennessee. But uh, this is not a great morning for me because of a loss of a very dear friend overnight. And we'll touch on that later on in the podcast. Um, Pedro Gomez of ESPN was a dear friend of mine, a colleague of mine years ago, and someone that I stayed in touch with um, pretty regularly over the years. And so it was stunning last night to hear of Pedro's passing uh, while I was reading Twitter at late in the Super Bowl. So um, not the ideal way to find out that he lost a good friend. Um, there was no other way that I would have expected to find that out, though. I mean, uh, we were not close enough that I'd be in the top 500 people that would get a notification of it, but um, but we were buddies, and um, I'm just kind of numb this morning. So we'll uh, press on, because life does go on, and there's a lesson in all things, and we do not grieve as those who have no hope. So let's uh, get to the sports, and then we'll get to life, and then we'll get to faith. So 31-9. Uh, Tampa Bay over Kansas City. Did not see it coming. I picked the Bucks, but only because I was entered in a drawing at work for a gift card to a restaurant, and I play the percentages figuring everybody's going to pick Kansas City. Well, to my surprise, everyone did not pick Kansas City. In fact, of the 10 people that entered, seven picked the Bucks. So I picked a close final because that's kind of what I expected if Tampa was going to win the game. I expected they'd have a problem keeping up with Kansas City scoring. I thought that Tom Brady's past Super Bowls suggest that most of the time it's close. I think he's won three by three points, another by four, once by once by five, one by ten. But Tom Brady and the Buccaneers won the game handily, thirty-one to nine. If anybody predicted thirty-one to nine, uh, congratulations, because wow, your insight is utterly amazing. But I did not see that one coming, and I am glad it happened that way. Because I have transitioned on Tom Brady the way that I transitioned for a while on Tiger Woods before transitioning back because I just can't get on board the Tiger worship train in light of um, what we all learned about Tiger at one point. But um, Brady I used to word against, like everybody, not because he's a Michigan quarterback, but because I just didn't like the Patriots. And I didn't like, uh, I thought they, I just didn't like them, okay? Uh, then, um, as he continued to win, as they continued to win, I think my turning point for Tom Brady and viewing Tom Brady was their game against the Falcons in that Super Bowl, where they were hopelessly behind, and he brought them back. And at some point in time, you just have to say, this person, whether it's going way back, Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady, um, I'm sure there are others. If you don't like them, you're the problem, not them. Because we're fortunate to be in the era where the greatest player in NFL history is playing. And I can hear people in Cleveland, what about Jim Brown? What about this guy? What about that guy? Look, I mean, Tom Brady has seven Super Bowl championships, which is more than any franchise has. He has five Super Bowl MVPs in 10 appearances. 
His seven wins are three more than any other player. His, I don't even know if anybody's been a three-time MVP in a Super Bowl, maybe Joe Montana. But I know nobody's been a five-time MVP, and his 10 appearances as a player are more than any other franchise. So, I mean, at some point, you got to say, well, wait a minute. No, that might not be right, because New England made an appearance in the Super Bowl before Brady was the quarterback. Uh, they get trounced by uh, somebody. Tony Champagne Tony Eason was their quarterback. So, anyway, Brady's great. And there's no point in hating on great. And he was great last night. I know people say, oh, he threw three picks against the Packers. Well, a couple of them were miscommunications with receivers. Maybe it's the receiver's fault. Maybe it's Brady's fault. A couple were tip balls. A couple were third down desperation. I don't want to get sacked plays. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just saying the man is great. Uh, Mike Pettin, the Browns coach years ago, said something that's absolutely true. The NFL is a pass-fail league. You can look bad and win. Nobody cares. You shouldn't. Because it's hard to win in the NFL. Chris Spielman taught me that over many years doing radio together. That it's hard to win in the NFL, even if you're going to be the first overall team to pick and you're playing a Super Bowl champion. It's hard to win in the NFL. Everybody's trying. Everybody's a pro. Everybody's good. Everybody's motivated. So they won, and they dominated, and they held the Chiefs out of the end zone. And I thought Tampa's defense had a shot because the Chiefs' two tackles were out of the game, and the Tampa Bay defense in the playoffs made plays to turn games around. And they really played well against the Chiefs. I thought it was so important for Tampa to not get behind early, just to send a message that, hey, we can defend you. We're not afraid of Tyreek Hill. We're not afraid of Travis Kelsey. We can defend you. And they did. And then Tampa got rolling. Gronk, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown. Yeah, this past offseason, if someone would have said to you, hey, the first three touchdowns in the Super Bowl will be scored by combination of Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and Antonio Brown. I mean, Patriot fans had to be going, well, what would we get rid of these guys for? So there's going to be in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, a deep dive on how how Brady parted from the Patriots. Uh I have it on good authority that he wanted a manageable number salary-wise, and New England just either felt he was, if not on E, the red light was on in his gas tank, and they were ready to move on. I don't know why, but they were ready to move on. And so on they moved, and now they sit without a quarterback, and Tom Brady is hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. And wow, what a performance. I thought he was amazing. I thought Tampa's defense was amazing. Uh, And Mahomes was, at times, amazing. Some of the throws Patrick Mahomes makes under duress are outrageous. Never seen it before. But I don't think that I can get on board. In fact, I cannot get on board with Tony Romo's statement that, you know, if Mahomes had beaten Brady here, Mahomes had a shot at six Super Bowl titles. There's just something that we undervalue when someone does something that's so far beyond the pale of anyone else ever doing it. There's this assumption that, well, somebody else will. Now now it's time for somebody else to do it. I don't think that's true of the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think it's true of any franchise. Uh, So I'm just awed by Brady and by Bruce Arians. I'm happy for Bruce Arians, a career NFL guy who waited forever and ever and ever and ever to get a head coaching job because he just didn't have, like, whatever the 
material. He wasn't the stuff of a head coach. You know, he was a career coordinator. Browns had ample opportunities to hire Bruce Arians. Ample, ample, ample opportunities to hire him. Never did. Pittsburgh Steelers had ample opportunity to move Bruce Arians up. Oh, Mike Tomlin's doing fine, but, I mean, they had chances. Uh, Indianapolis, he got that only because Chuck Pagano got cancer. And he did so well. Went to went to Arizona, did great in Arizona. Bruce Arians, he looks like a fun guy to play for, doesn't he? And I'm, I'm just happy for him. What an accomplishment. I think Bruce Arians last night, they're, they're making a gold jacket for Bruce Arians last night. He's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Brady, obviously. Gronk, obviously. So, just, just wow. I mean, what a performance. That's a great performance. And also, I must say, we have done football... And the COVID journalists who were so afraid that it could not be done and lectured people and finger-wagged people and tut-tut-tutted people and you'll never get the college season in and you'll never get the NFL season in and what kind of danger are you putting these guys in and high school kids shouldn't be playing. I had the pleasure this past fall of covering two state championship teams in the Midwest Athletic Conference in Western Ohio, the New Bremen Cardinals' first state championship in school history, the Coldwater Cavaliers, I think, seventh. The Coldwater Championship game is either the first or second best high school game I've ever seen, the other one being Joe Burrow's final game for the Plains against Toledo Central Catholic. And then, of course, we had the Ohio State season, which started way later than it should have, thanks to the incompetence of the Big Ten. Buckeyes get to the national title game. There's no disgrace losing to that Alabama team. That's a great Alabama team, a possibly historically good Alabama team. Ryan Day did a great job getting Ohio State there. And now we have a Super Bowl where every team in the NFL played 16 games. Nobody died of COVID. Nobody died of COVID in college. That we know of, nobody died of COVID in high school. So I think there's a lesson there. Live your life. Persevere. Stay at it, be determined, and now we have a vaccine, and now we have so much more data, and now we have so much more information on therapeutics. So I'm hoping that we can get the same thing in March with March Madness, that with high school state tournaments, I'm assuming we're going to get an NBA Finals. And so I'm just glad that we got it all done. Um, there were so many people last night tweeting about... Um, is this right that we should be doing this without the, it's like, I just wish we could have just enjoyed the Super Bowl. Just enjoy it. Like it's the Super Bowl. It's the one sporting event in America that pretty much everyone cares about, not invested as a fan about, but they're, you know, they're aware of it. And what time does the party start? And I know we couldn't have parties and stuff this year, but anyway, I just like, I would have loved last night if we could have had, from, say, 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. or whenever the game ended. I wish we could have had a no-COVID-reference five-hour period. Like, I just don't think... It didn't enhance my enjoyment of the game to have uh, the Vince Lombardi actor talking about COVID. And I would have loved it better if we just not had to talk about our... It disagreements as a country, 
not had to talk about our, you know, our COVID and our threats. And it's like there is a benefit to not always obsessing about things that concern us. In the Bible, in Philippians, Paul talks about whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is virtuous, seek and talk about those things. And that's a really good mantra for life. You will depress yourself if you're always thinking about bad things, always thinking about unpleasant things and threatening things and fearful things. So it's not a bad idea to get a respite from things that weigh us down. And I just thought that last night would have been more enjoyable for me, maybe not you, if we had taken a break from the things that seem to occupy our mind most of the time these days. Now, you can tell me I'm crazy because guess what? We have a new email address for the podcast. Yes, I did set it up this weekend. You can send your emails to wetacklelife at gmail.com. Wetacklelife at gmail.com. Uh, if you still send to the old email address, which I'm not going to mention it because I want you to send your emails to the new email address, wetacklelife at gmail.com. But if you do happen to send it to the old email address, which had someone's name in it who's no longer on the podcast, for very, very amicable reasons, uh, getting hired by the Detroit Lions as the number three guy in the organization, that email will forward to us. So great. So we're in the process of changing the website and changing the YouTube channel and all that stuff. But uh, he's uh, Mr. Spielman is gone, but he is certainly not forgotten. And um, I miss him, and you miss him, and we'll have him back on sometime here when his work world slows down. A reminder that... Even though Mr. Spielman is not here on the podcast anymore, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters still is. Ah, yes, the first and longest-running advertiser on the We Tackle Life podcast. They are offering you the opportunity to get 15% off when you use that promo code in all caps, We Tackle Life, when you order at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Paul Kurtz and his lovely wife and my friend Andy, they do great work at Hemisphere. Beautiful facility in Mechanicsburg. If you ever get the time to head to the hinterlands and you want to see uh, the faces behind the brilliance of combining business and ministry, they would love to see you. Check the hours before you go. They're not open every single day, but they are fantastic baristas, and they're great people. I love that they buy their coffee direct from growers in Nicaragua, Indonesia, Thailand, and they offer those growers an opportunity to do great things in their community with the increased amount of money that they get from selling their coffee direct to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. We eliminate the middleman, we eliminate the government, we eliminate all that stuff, and everybody wins. And you win because you get great coffee, chocolate, tea, whatever you want, and you get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. So there you go. All right, there's a courtship going on in advance of Valentine's Day, and the object of the courtship is Ohio State linebackers coach Al Washington, Columbus native, son of former Buckeye Al Washington Sr., Former Michigan coach Al Washington. He's been at Ohio State two years now. Al Washington's a hot commodity, as well he should be, because I noticed two years ago when I was in and around Ohio State a lot, there were three guys on the staff that really stuck out to me. Number one, Ryan Day. Not in any particular order. I'm just enumerating the three. Ryan Day's one. Jeff Halfley's the other. And Al Washington's the third. Now, why? Because... At that same time in my life, I was investing in uh, the concepts of leadership, how to be a better leader in my home, in my life, how to accept leadership, recognize leadership. And in those three gentlemen, 
I recognize the qualities of exceptional leaders. They cast vision. They um, just inspire confidence. They great leaders. No, let's say it this way. Good leaders inspire the people under them to believe in themselves. No, I got that wrong. Good leaders inspire the people under them to believe in the leader. Great leaders inspire the people under them to believe in themselves. That is what Ryan Day, Jeff Halfley, and Al Washington do. They're all three charismatic guys who, if they were not football coaches, I am convinced they would be big-time successes in the business world. Maybe owners of their own business, leaders in some capacity. They all three have innate and developed leadership talents. So Al Washington is not going to be the linebackers coach at Ohio State very long, even if he stays after this overture from the University of Tennessee. I'm sure Ohio State is sweetening his contract, which relative to other coaches on the staff is pretty puny. He's making half as much as some of the other coaches on the staff. He's never been a coordinator, his experience level, things like that. Brian Hartline's in the same boat. So it's not racial. It's just they're paying them on a scale, I guess, according to their career experience. But if they're paying them on their acumen, which is I, which is if I was their agent, I would argue, well, okay, so if you don't think my client is worth as much as this particular coach who's been in coaching for 30 years, then we'll just go someplace where my client gets paid according to what they think he's capable of in terms of a coach, not in terms of what kind of service he has on his resume. So I would be pushing hard if I'm Hartline and Al Washington for a lot more money, double the money they're making. But of course, Ohio State has a tug on Brian Hartline's heart because he played for the Buckeyes and he's got a family and he's established here and probably doesn't necessarily, necessarily, I don't know, Brian may be like, I'm happy right here. I'm not going to mess with happy. And there's nothing wrong with not messing with happy. Al Washington. Also, they have an emotional tug on Al Washington's heart. Al's and Hartline are still young in their career. They're not overstaying the time here that they should be here in order to then ascend to be an offensive coordinator somewhere, or in Al Washington's case, a defensive coordinator somewhere. No, no, they're fine. They're not, they're not been here too long. But if you're Al Washington and Tennessee is coming calling and you have the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator in the SEC, well, you have to listen. So he's listening. And I guess I'd be surprised if he left just because I think he's probably excited about the coach, the guys he gets to coach next year. Chance to rebuild the linebacking core. Probably loves Columbus. And he's going to have ample opportunities every year. Al Washington, I know, had an opportunity, at least one, in the NFL this past offseason. So we'll see what happens. He'd be a big loss. Great recruiter, charismatic guy, really good football coach. Um, and we just don't know what, what he wants. If he wants to make the leap right now, he can. If he wants to wait, he can do that. So we shall see. Uh, you don't have forever to wait if you want to spruce up, embolden, and fortify your health insurance. You were out of time when open enrollment ended in December. But President Joe Biden, among all the vast number of executive orders that he has signed, has reopened the health insurance window for those of you who are individuals. Typically, the only people who could change their insurance right now are businesses. They can change anytime. Or individuals who are in business for themselves. The government looks at them as a group of one. 
but you have upcoming as an individual, regular Joe, ordinary guy, Joe Bag of Donuts, the chance to re-examine your health insurance if you didn't get it done and get it tidied up in December. AUIinfo.com, a health insurance brokerage. That means consultant. That means specialist. Friends of mine. And for business owners, AUIinfo.com offers real-time HR counseling, advice, um, instruction, real-time. So when the state makes a compliance change, boom, they know about it, and boom, they let you know about it. And that, like their consultation on health insurance, is free because they're paid by the companies that they put you with, and they don't have any favorites. They put you with the best company for you because all those companies love to do business with you as an individual or as a business or as a group of one. So auiinfo.com is what you click on, auiinfo.com. Open enrollment for health insurance reopens February 15th. I think it goes to the end of March. So get her done if you didn't get her done in December. Now is the time. All right, let's see what else I have on my docket here. Of course, Ohio State basketball tonight. Buckeyes have won four in a row. Buckeyes, I didn't look this morning. I did not look to see if the new AP basketball top 25 is out. I will not be the least bit surprised if Ohio State is a top five team after winning at Iowa on Thursday night and not playing. Was it Thursday night? Yes, it was Thursday night. After winning at Iowa and not playing since then. Let's see. No, they are still seventh in the uh, AP poll, which means it comes out later this morning. They could very well be a top five team. Or maybe not, because maybe nobody else lost ahead of them. But they're going to be a top ten team, I know that, and they're playing Maryland tonight in College Park. Late start, 9 p.m. Well, this is going to be tough, because every game in the Big Ten is tough. Maryland is not what Maryland was a year ago. Maryland a year ago was a top 10 team when they came into Value City Arena, and Caleb Wesson played like a man that particular Sunday afternoon against Jalen Smith, and Mark Turgeon, the Maryland coach, did not like it. He thought Caleb Wesson was too rough with his spindly center, and he said so after the game. And Chris Holtman, who had seen Caleb Wesson get in foul trouble repeatedly as a sophomore for not just breathing, not only breathing, but even looking at someone, <laughs> he couldn't abide Turgeon's whining without saying, well, I don't, you know, he didn't appreciate it. And he let him know he didn't appreciate it. And they got into a little blah, 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 back and forth thing, which is definitely not something that happens to Holtman very often. In fact, it's the only time I can imagine it happening to Holtman here. But he was right to stand up for his guy and... Turgeon was a whiner. But at any rate, that's introduced a little bit of a prickly edge to this Maryland-Ohio State thing. And we'll see if that gets revisited tonight in College Park. Ohio State's won four in a row and seven of eight. Maryland coming off a 55-50 loss to Penn State, which is playing much, much better recently. Now, Maryland's going to try to control the tempo. They don't play a lot of guys. Ohio State does. So Ohio State's going to be fresher, so Maryland doesn't want to play up and down because it'll tire their guys out. So they're going to try to control tempo, and that's okay. Ohio State can play any way you want to play. They can. They can win a game in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s. They can score if they need to score. they got a lot of guys who can score. They can 
play at a reduced pace and make every basket, every possession count. And so I'm not worried about however the tempo develops. Ohio State may have a way they want to play this game tonight. They may just say, eh, whatever you want to do, we'll play that way. We'll beat you at your game. We'll beat you at our game. Dwayne Washington showed vestiges of coming out of his slump late against Iowa. Justin Arns has been phenomenal all season shooting the three. He came out of it late against Iowa. Ohio State, the struggle with Ohio State from a scouting perspective for the opponent is who's it going to be tonight? Who's going to be the guy tonight for Ohio State? I have not done this study yet, but I'm going to do this study of who Ohio State's top three scorers are in every game. Because I'm betting if I plot it game by game, the top three scorers every night, I'm betting there's going to be a lot of change in that. It'll be most likely you'd think E.J. Liddell would be in there every night. Dwayne Washington, you say, well, it'll be E.J. Liddell and Dwayne Washington. Ah, oh, not recently. Not recently. It'd be E.J. Liddell, Justice Suing, and who? Justin Arns? Maybe. Seth Towns? Maybe. Um, other nights might be another. Maybe Zed Key. So that, I think, will be an interesting demonstration of how deep Ohio State is. Ohio State has nine guys playing 10 minutes or more. Now, we thought that was a weakness a couple weeks ago. Now, I'm not so sure it's a weakness. Chris Holtman, I asked him about that after the Iowa win, and he said it's not a weakness, but it's only a strength if the guys understand that averaging 10 minutes a game does not mean you're going to play 10 minutes a game every night. You say, well, how do you average 10 minutes a game every night, Bruce, if you don't play 10 minutes a game every night? Because it's an average, and that means that some night you might play 19 minutes. Maybe Musa Jallo gets 19 minutes. And the other game, Musa Jallo might get three minutes. Well, he's averaging 10 minutes a game, 22 minutes in two games. But in one game he played 19, in one game he played three. Seth Towns might have that same kind of a situation. Eugene Brown might have that same kind of a situation. So Holtman said as long as the guys understand that averaging 10 minutes a game doesn't mean every night you're going to get 10 minutes a game, then you're good. So we'll see what we'll see. Ohio State, Maryland, 9 o'clock tonight. I'll be covering that game for PressProsMagazine.com. Now, we have an interloper here in the studio. Come here, come here. Show him. Show him, show him, show him, show him. Show him, show him. An interloper. And here is the interloper. Here is the interloper. Those of you on StreamYard can see. You see my kitty? Hey, say hi, Coco. Say hi, Coco. Coco is my buddy. He's on camera with me now. Uh, an appearance by Coco, the kitty. The microphone's in your way, Coco. All right. Say hi to the folks. All right, off you go. You'll probably be meowing into the podcast. That's a treat for those of you who watch on the live stream on Twitter, on Facebook, and on uh, Periscope. Okay. Uh, let me now uh, talk about something that I sure wish I didn't have to talk about. Friday, I shared with you my thoughts on the sudden passing of my friend Les Levine in Cleveland. And very sadly, last night at the end of the Super Bowl, I was on Twitter looking for just stats on Brady and things I could use on the podcast today. And I came across a tweet that informed me that uh, my longtime friend Pedro Gomez of ESPN, their esteemed baseball writer, had uh, passed away suddenly yesterday at his home. And I think his home is in, uh, I know it's in the Phoenix area. There's no reason for me to give you the suburb. Um, Pedro and I were... Uh, buddies in my years at the Miami News from uh, 1980, uh, 
86 through 87. We worked the night shift. We put the paper out. We uh, were copy editors, and we sat at terminals and read everybody's story and edited them, put headlines on them, and put them in the newspaper. Pedro was just starting his career. I was just starting mine. I was 27. He was 25. Um, we laughed a lot. We, um, we laughed at everything. We had a good time. And um, we hung around together um, outside of work. And um, he taught me a lot about Cuban culture and how much pride there is in the Cuban, Cuban culture, Cuban-American culture. Um, we ate in Little Havana. We um, covered the dolphins together. We stood on the sidelines on a hot, sunny, I don't know if it was September or October day in uh, 1987 when Vinny Testaverde essentially won the Heisman Trophy with a fantastic performance against number one rated o Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Miami was number two then. Uh, that Miami team lost to Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl later that year, um, but got the national title the next year when I was covering them against uh, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Miami Hurricanes then, and uh, Pedro, or as we all called him, Tex. I don't know why we called him Tex, but I got there, and he was Tex, and I always knew Pedro was Tex, Tex Gomez. I'm so saddened uh, by his passing. Pedro was a frequent guest on my radio shows in uh, Columbus, on the fan, on the zone, and in Cleveland on in WKNR. Um, he came on the zone once, and then ESPN put up a stink. Well, the fan put up a stink, and I understand it. But we stayed in touch, and um, last November, uh, it was in the news that ESPN had uh, made a bunch of cuts, and I texted uh, Pedro to uh, find out if he was okay. I said, did you survive the cuts today? And he said, yeah, my phone hasn't rung yet. I think I'm okay. We talked about uh, my daughter, uh, who was having a great year in soccer, and we talked about his son, Rio, who um, is in the Red Sox minor league system. He's a left-handed pitcher. We had talked a lot about Rio over recent years. Um, Pedro has three beautiful kids and a beautiful wife, Sandy, his son, Dante, his daughter, Sierra. Um. In 2002, this is the best Pedro story I can tell you to give you an ind indication. I could talk about his acumen as a baseball writer, and he's, I mean, you don't need me to do that. You can read Jeff Pass and Buster Olney, Ken Rosenthal. All the giants of baseball writing last night were posting about what a great baseball writer Pedro was. Pedro covered the Bash Brothers. For the Sacramento Bee, he left Miami, went to Sacramento. He ended up, he went to some really good newspapers, and he ended up in Arizona as a columnist at the Arizona Republic. And you know I go to Arizona twice a year for extended periods of time, and it was pretty common for Pedro and I to touch base and get together a time or two for lunch and catch up on each other's lives and each other's families when I was out there. Um, Pedro was able to really excel as a baseball writer because he had a gift of being able to get close to players without crossing the line between being too close that he couldn't write the truth and say the truth and tell the truth. Pedro was 
came to fame nationally as the ESPN reporter who was, um, we used to joke about, given the short straw and covering Barry Bonds in the aftermath of Balco and during the Bonds hit uh, home run chase. Um, several times over the years when ESPN, when I had opportunities to go to ESPN, Pedro was always the first guy I called to ask about what it was like working at ESPN. And I'll never forget what he told me one time. They wanted me to move to Bristol, and I just didn't think that I could. I'd just gotten married to my wife, and we just bought a home. And I said, what's it like when you work for ESPN? And he goes, it's like you have magic dust. I said, what do you mean when you have magic dust? And he said, you call and you drop those four letters, Bruce, and no matter who it is, they're coming to the phone. And Pedro had way more magic dust on him than the credibility of working for ESPN. He was a kind, gentle, funny, hardworking, um, phenomenal person. A window into his kindness. In December of 2002, Ohio State, of course, was getting ready to play the University of Miami for the national championship. Pedro was a proud Cuban-American from Miami. He was working then at the Arizona Republic as a columnist. When you're the columnist at the Arizona Republic, you have a lot of clout in the city of Phoenix. I had a friend, a, a gentleman in my wedding party, my, one of my closest friends, who had a um, wife and two young children, and they're big Ohio State fans, and they wanted to go to the national championship game in Arizona. And so they did. And at that particular time, many of you may have been um, involved in those tickets for Ohio State fans were next to impossible to get. I was able to get my friend two tickets, but he needed four. He needed two, or he and his wife, and he needed two for their, one for their son, one for their daughter. So at that time, eBay was not really policing the selling of online tickets very well. And as evil people are known to do, they saw an opportunity to scam a bunch of eager Ohio State fans online. And my friend got scammed. It turned out he got scammed by a site that was based in Russia that looked exactly like an eBay site. And he got taken for $2,500 for two tickets. And he arrived in Arizona where he was supposed to pick up his tickets to discover that he had been taken. And he had traveled to Arizona with his wife and two kids, promising them, that was their Christmas gift, promising his young son and young daughter that they were going to go to the national championship game because he had purchased tickets and was going to pick them up in Arizona. He got to Arizona. There were no tickets. He'd been taken by a Russian hacker, scammer. No way to find that person. He was out of luck. His money was gone. He wasn't going to have tickets. There were no tickets to be had in Arizona. He spent $2,500 on two tickets. He didn't really have $2,500 more to, to buy two additional tickets. What are you going to do? Disappoint the son by saying, okay, mom and, you know, the daughter will go. You're going to disappoint the daughter and the mom by saying, you know, me and my son will go. He was desperate. He needed tickets, but he couldn't afford 
to pay scalpers prices. That was the market right there. Tickets were worth, even crummy tickets were worth over $1,000 a piece. Pedro and I were talking one day at the Marriott press headquarters, and I just happened to share with him, how's it going, Bruce? And I just happened to share with him. I said, you don't know of anybody that's got two tickets that they'd sell at a reasonable price, do you? Why? I told him the story. Pedro's a, a Miami native, a big Miami fan. And he didn't even hesitate. He said, he can have mine. <laughs> you can have mine. He said, the game means more to him than I do. I feel bad for him. I can't think of a better way to tell you what kind of guy Pedro Gomez was than that. I just can't. He's, uh, I'm just numb today. I'm just numb that he's gone. And that uh, we won't get the chance to laugh together anymore. The little jokes we had about certain things that wouldn't make any sense to you guys that were funny to us from the things that we shared on the desk at the Miami News in the wee hours of the morning when I worked there. So uh, I just pray for peace and comfort and strength and that love would surround Sandy and Dante and Rio and Sierra and his family and his friends who will miss him very, very dearly. Very, very dearly. What a dear man. Um, which brings me to the faith portion of the podcast. I didn't bring my notes in with me. I'll just wing it. I've experienced a lot of death around me lately. Les Levine, dear friend, great man, wonderful, talented broadcaster, Pedro Gomez. And while I wouldn't even begin to put this in the same category, we lost our one of our family pets last week. I was lucky in my life for a long time, not to have really much experience with death around me. When I was a little kid, I used to pray that if God was going to take one of my parents away, that he'd do it in such a fashion that all five of us in the family would go at the same time in a car accident. Cause I just couldn't even fathom losing my mom or dad or my brother's. Then it got older and older and older, and we just, God was merciful. My parents had a lot of health issues, heart, various other things, but they were doggedly able to persevere over them. Several times thought I was going to lose each one of them. They just, God was merciful. He allowed them to have good, long, rich lives. They were I'm so thankful that they were able to both live long enough to see me get remarried to a godly woman who's given me three beautiful daughters, and each one of my daughters knows their grandparents. My, my parents live long enough that all three of my daughters got to know them and will have lifelong memories of them. So God was very merciful in that regard. But in the past three years, I've lost both my dad and my mom. So I'm now experiencing more loss. So I frequently think about my mom and dad. And I just think about how awesome it was that I got to experience them. And in the last week, I've thought a lot about Les Levine, how kind he was to me, how gracious he was. And in the last day, I've thought a lot about Pedro Tex Gomez, my buddy. And what a great dad and husband and journalist and person he was. 
And it's sad when you lose people. But our best years can be behind us physically. And most of our life can be behind us in our rearview mirror. Mine certainly is. But what struck me one day thinking about that was that our best years spiritually can always be ahead of us. We each have a faith story, those of us who have given our life to Christ and trust in his death as the atonement for our sin. Once we recognize that we can never be perfect enough, we can never meet God's standard of perfection in our own strength, that Jesus lived perfectly died as the perfect Lamb of God, atonement for our sin if we just accept that as our own. That all the things we experience in our life, all those things behind us, all those relationships, all those bad times, all those good times, give us a very uniquely personal story that testifies to our faith journey and that give us an individually tailored sales presentation, if you will, of how to draw others to the same faith in Jesus that gives us peace when we lose a mom, a dad, or dear friends. And those illustrations of faith being there for us in those times accumulate the older we get and give texture and depth and meaning to our life and to our faith stories and to our, again, if you will, forgive the characterization, our sales presentation, our marketing of the gospel. We are in the marketing part department of the gospel of Christ We are to testify with our lives, our words, our deeds, our attitudes, everything, the transformative power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so while my best years can be behind me as a runner, golfer, landscaper, I can't work from 9 in the morning to 9 at night outside on Saturdays doing the landscaping and stuff. I have to come in and take a break every now and then rest my back, get a little food. I notice a big difference between my 40s and my 50s. Big difference. So I'm not as good physically. But I hope I'm better spiritually. I hope I'm a better disciple. And so that is what I would encourage you with today. As you Maybe like me, say, wow, it's not as easy to take off weight as it used to be, or wow, I'm not as fast as I used to be, or wow, I used to be able to do that, now I can't. Our earthly bodies wear out, but our spiritual strength should be increasing every day, because every day we have an opportunity to learn more, grow more, serve more. And I hope I'm doing that. This podcast is a way that I try to engage in doing that. Interacting with you is um, is my way of hopefully doing that. And so 
That's what I have for you today. Um, remember, the new email address is wetacklelife at gmail.com. I would love it to have uh, some new iTunes reviews uh, of the podcast without Chris. I do appreciate so much those of you who are listening. Our numbers really haven't changed any. Um, well, they've had to go down some because it's always a bigger show when Chris is here. <laughs> um, which I definitely acknowledge that. Uh, don't forget, if you need a lawyer, the preferred law firm of this podcast is, of course, Willis Spangler Starling, Stan Willis and Kelly and Ashley and Phil. They're fantastic people. And they um, offer you an opportunity to get your legal questions answered every Friday night at 6 o'clock on The Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 The Answer. Uh, so wills, estate planning, probate, workers' comp, employment law, personal injury, they do all the biggies. And many other cases, they do flat fee or contingency. So uh, they're very affordable. Give them a chance. Remember their names so that when you need an attorney, you're not scrambling. Willis Spangler Starling. Online, willisattorneys.com. Uh, that's pretty much what I have for you today. And uh, I just ask you, if you're a praying person, to keep in mind uh, the Gomez family. Sandy, his wife, Pedro's wife, Texas wife. His sons, Dante and Rio. His daughter, Sierra. Uh, it's, I can only imagine, like, Rio's probably headed to spring training soon. And, um, Tex and I used to talk about how cool it would be someday when Rio made it to the majors and Tex would get to cover the game. I'm sorry he didn't get to do that. But he made a lot of impact, positive impact on a lot of people. And I know he made an indelible impact on his family, on his sons, his daughter, and his wife, and on me, and on anybody who knew him. So what a legacy he leaves behind. I'll talk to you again Wednesday, and I hope you enjoy the first part of your week. Godspeed. <laughs>